You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. If you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to jump right in. You know, one of the things Pastor Sergio shared in the first service, he didn't say in this service, he said his mom would say, this body, I did this for you. I got this body for you. And I thought about it, um, that Jesus has those scars in his body for us. In the same way his mom said, I do everything for you, is the same way he did everything for us. Uh, and, that, and that's who God is, you know. He, he had to build the bridge. We couldn't build a bridge to him. It was impossible for us to build a bridge to him. He had to build the bridge to us. That's why the Bible says the only reason we love God is because he loved us first. And because he loved us first, it opened a door for us to love him back. And then he pours his love inside of us by the Holy Spirit. So he even teaches us how to love. Because we don't even know as human beings what proper love is. The proper way to love. What agape, sacrificial love is. That I, that, that's that love that really, really makes a difference. That kind of love makes a difference. Like his mom said, I got this body because of you. You know, that kind of love will sacrifice self for someone else that they care about. And that's the kind of love God wants us to grow in. And out of that love comes what we've been talking about is holiness. And God's, and we talked about God's faith is holy. His love is holy. His hope is holy. His peace is holy. Holiness permeates everything God does. It's perfection. It's a standard way above that, way above all his, his creation. It's a standard that transcends. That word transcends. It transcends his creation because God is transcendent above his creation. What does that mean? It means that God created everything in the universe, but and he created it all, but he is separate from it. Even though he's involved in it, he interacts in it, he's separate from it. And this is how he's separate. Hebrews 1, chapter, cha- Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, The sun, not the S-U-N, the S-O-N, is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took a seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. So when he says he upholds the whole universe with his word, that means the universe needs something All matter, all life, all the laws of physics, everything in the universe needs something to uphold it. And God just spoke it and he upholds it. Just a spoken word. He upholds all the universe. But God is transcended in this. He's different. He's set apart from it is that nothing upholds him. Nothing upholds him. Nothing upholds him. He's above it. He's beyond it. He's greater than the creation. That's why he's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. That's why, you know, people, I don't know where they got this a long time ago, because I would watch it in old black and white movies and stuff, that when we go to heaven, we're like, you know, we're angels. First of all, we're not angels. People say, well, they're my angel. No, people, human beings aren't angels. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're above the angels. We will actually judge the angels. We're above the angels. 
And so uh, God, that's just God's order. And so, because we're his children. And we rule with Christ. So we're above the angels. We're not seated next to an angel. We're seated next to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is, God is separate. He's transcended above all this because of his spoken word. And, he, and he, he, he built these bridges to us because he's the only one that could because there was no possible way for us to reach him. He had to reach us. And he's, he's incredible. And I was going to talk about heaven. And so heaven, that's why, you know, they always show these people with harps and it's kind of boring. They kind of float around and play a harp. First of all, I don't want to learn how to play a harp. If God tells me to, I'll do it, but I really don't have any desire. But it's kind of boring. I'd rather play the drums. You know, but, uh, but, you know, they show heaven as this boring, kind of floating around forever place. No, it's not that at all. And this is why. Because God is transcendent. He's above it all. And nothing upholds him. He upholds everything with just a word. Just a word he upholds the whole universe. But nothing upholds him. That's why the angels, when they, when they stand before God, the seraphim, the great seraphim angels with six wings, the mighty seraphim angels, they look at each other and go, holy, holy, holy. Because, and then they look at God again and they go, holy, holy, holy. Why? Because God is infinite. There's no limit to him. We'll see something new, fresh, exciting, and beautiful all the time. It'll be new, fresh, exciting, and beautiful There'll be no limit to discovery. God lives in another dimension right now. We understand there's a natural dimension and a spiritual dimension. We don't know how many other dimensions God's created. And we're gonna get to see all of it because we're, we're not only his creation, we're his kids. It's not gonna be boring, just like those angels are not bored because they've been doing that before the throne for since the beginning, since they were created and they'll do that forever, they're not bored because they're witnessing something so holy, so incredible, so set apart, so fascinating, they can't take their eyes off of it. That's our God. And so when we experience God our Father and we experience heaven, we're gonna be, we're gonna be in other dimensions. We're gonna, be, we're gonna be seeing stuff that's incredible. We're gonna be discovering. It's not gonna be this floating around on a heart boring. It's gonna be the most exciting, dynamic adventure. Oh, we can't. He said, I has not seen and ear has not heard. He even told John, John saw things in heaven. And he's like, I can't even describe that. There's nothing on earth that compares to the things in heaven. And then God told him, don't even try, don't even tell people about this over here. I mean, guys, it's going to be the most unbelievable life. I mean, it's going to be incredible. We're going to get to do this together. That's what's incredible. We don't go by ourselves. That's what I mean when he's transcended. He's above it all. He's, there's no limit to him. He's unlimited. And so we can't treat him like he has a limit to his holiness, a limit to his love, a limit to his peace, a limit. There's no limit to God's blessing. He can bless me and you and everybody else uh, till eternity, forever, and not ever run dry. Never one dry of mercy or grace. And he'll never want dry of holiness, wanting things to be right and at a certain standard because God, God established that standard and he lives at that standard and he wants us to rise up to that standard. I heard a pastor tell a story about his son. 
His son was 11, and he came in the house, and he was excited. He's like, Dad, I can dunk. And he's looking at him like, you're only 11, and you can dunk? He said, that's, that's cool. I want to see this. So he walks outside, and the kid dribbles up and just throws it down. <laughs> then he looked at the goal, the standard. They call the goal a standard. He looked at the standard, and he had lowered it down to six feet. Yeah, you can dunk at six feet. Well, let's raise it up to 10 feet where the standard really is and see if you can dunk then. What has happened in our culture is because Satan's so subtle, we keep lowering the goal and think we're dunking. We keep lowering the standard and think we're dunking. We're not dunking. We're dunking on a six-foot goal. We're not Listen, we can't keep comparing ourselves to the world and saying, they're our standard. Oh, we're be- at least I'm better than that. At least I don't do that. I've had people tell me that. Oh, pastor, you know, I did this, but I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. I'm like, wow, you just want to lower the goal. This is me lowering the goal right here. This is how you lower the goal. You got a little tool, and it just goes around and lowers it. And so they, we want to lower the standard to accommodate our own choices and justify our own sin. I want to say something. God said, be holy as not the world is holy, not as holy as Los Angeles, not as holy as your mama. He didn't get, the standard is him. Be holy as I am. He used the word I am. That's the name of God. He's the I am. He is, I am past, I am present, I am future forever, I am eternity, I am God. He said, I'm the standard. Well, how do we meet that? Well, God is incredible. When you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and you submit your life to him, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you to help you dunk. He gives you a little boost to help you dunk, to to help you raise the standard. Now, are we going to be perfection the way God is perfect? No, but we can keep raising the standard, and we can keep living up to the standard. We can keep raising the goal and raising the the standard. But if, And and I'm going to say this, church, if we don't do it, if we don't do this, and I believe God supernaturally gave me this message on holiness, if we don't do this, our culture in, our, in Roswell, in New Mexico, is going to continue to decline. We've had, we've had multiple deaths, four deaths just in the list last week that have touched many lives. And I prayed for those families, the comfort on them. But guys, you know what? That culture of death just permeates our whole community. I did more funerals when I moved here 21 years ago in one year than I had done in eight and a half previous years of ministry. I mean, one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. It's constant. We gotta, we gotta raise this. We can't keep lowering the bar and think God's gonna bless and God's gonna move. We gotta say, God, you are the bar. We're reaching for you, not trying to pull you down. We're, we're allowing you to lift us up. And we're gonna raise this standard in our culture. We gotta raise the standard in every area. Listen to Colossians. I've read from here before. If you go with me to Colossians chapter 3, I've read the first part of Colossians. We haven't been able to get to all of it. Colossians chapter 3. And, but I want to read more of it, but I'm going to start from where I, where I finished the other day. In verse 4, it says, And as Christ himself has seen for who he really is, 
who you really are will also be revealed. You know, people say, I want the real, man. Keep it real. Let's be real. You know what? You can't be real until you recognize who Jesus really is. You'll never be real. You'll never be real. It'll always be a, a, a we're going to read here in a moment, it'll always be a masquerade. It'll always be a disguise. You're, it's always going to be cosmetic. It's always going to be fake. You'll never know who you are. Gosh, I see young people, man, they're living in the world. They're cussing, and they want boyfriends, and they're talking about all kinds of stuff, and so caught up in the, the drama of social media, and everything's tears, and everything's, uh, 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 and every, I mean, it's all hurt and safe places and all this stuff. God's about to set a standard of conduct for all of us, and we need to rise up in our personal lives so we raise up our children and pull them out of that garbage. That, that is only designed to destroy their self-esteem and cause them, out of their own insecurities, to be mean and destroy other people's self-esteem. Because they don't know who they really are. He says right here, you'll never be real. You'll always be fake. You'll always be a hypocrite. You'll always operate in your own insecurities. And you'll always be the worst possible version of yourself until you realize who Jesus is really is. Because that's the only way you're going to know who you really are. That's the real. And no one can tell me that's not true because I've lived it. Has anybody else felt so fake, felt so, so, felt so uncomfortable in your own skin, insecure, not quite knowing, you know, doing stuff, acting a certain way, but just like, man, this doesn't feel real. It's all, it seems convoluted. It's just messy and until you met Jesus. When I met Jesus, that first day I prayed, the first prayer I ever prayed, I felt more real the first day I prayed that I had had all of my previous years of life. Anybody else ever experienced that besides me? That's the real. Now I know the real me. Why? Because I know the real Jesus. And when you know the real Jesus, you'll know the real you. And he'll bring the best out of you, not the worst. He'll, he'll help you with all those insecurities so you don't have to be mean to people or prideful or you don't have to be down and out all the time. You don't have to always be caught up in a bunch of negative drama, you don't have to get caught up in it. You can rise above it because the Holy Spirit will live inside of you and take us to new levels and new places. So he says, uh, is seen for who he really is, you will, you, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Verse five. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who has died to the desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. Did anybody else in here, and I'm gonna explain this to you, were you ever characterized by your evil deeds? Because I had buddies, they took great pride in being able to drink more whiskey than anybody else, smoke more dope, bring the best dope. Oh man, he's, he, this guy, he always brings the best dope. This guy always has the best this. And people were characterized by their evil deeds. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Nobody? Wow. And you were characterized, this guy's a tough guy, this guy's a this, this person, this girl's this, this girl's that. I mean, just characterized by evil deeds. He's saying, not anymore will you be characterized by those things. 
He said that, well, there's a new creation that has happened here. And you no longer are going to be characterized by your evil deeds. He said, don't be like that anymore. Change. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you and change what you desire. He said, that's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all time. He says, anger, fits of rage, and all forms of hatred. Anybody ever had a fit of rage? Come on. Anybody ever had a fit of rage? Anger, hatred. He says, it's time to put all that away. It's time to put all that away. Well, pastor, do I have to be perfect at it? Perfect in God's book. For, for him, it's perfection. I mean, it's perfect. For us, it's maturity. It's a process of maturing. God wants us to take a whole nother step. If we want to break the culture of death that's, that's on New Mexico, there's a culture of death. In the medical profession, there's a culture of death in New Mexico. Why? Because we have the, the highest levels of late-term abortion, and we kill babies and slaughter them by the thousands, and now we want to slaughter them by the millions. There's a culture of death in our leadership, and that's why there's a culture of death over our state. There's a spirit of oppression over our state. Why? That's why we, have, we lead the nation in poverty. That's why we lead the nation in the lack of caring for children. That's why we lead the nation in one of the worst educational systems, yet we have all these talented people. How can it be that we have talent? How can it be that we have great people? Why? Because there's a spirit over it. There's a demonic spirit, and the church of God is called to overcome it. And we, we, can, we can shout in the name of Jesus all we want to, but until our lives are holy, until our hearts are holy, until we start maturing and putting away these, these wrong sexual desires and saying that's just wrong and forbidden things and, and start, stop worshiping money and really worshiping God. And how do you know if you worship money or God? Do you tithe? Do you give? Are you generous? This is what grieves me. We ship the, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, sends some uh, 50 immigrants from Venezuela to, to, to Martha's Vineyard, one of the richest places in the whole earth. Richest places in the earth. And they can't take care of them. They've already shipped them someplace else. What do you mean you can't take care of them? These are the people crying for all the illegal immigration. Bring it on. Well, 50 illegal immigrants show up. They've got millions, millions, millions. But they're so stinking hypocritical, they don't give a dime of their personal charity. It's real easy to spend someone else's money. Anybody ever been generous with someone else's money? My kids were always generous with my money. <laughs> Julie tells us stories about, man, all these, yeah, what, what'd you spend money on this for? Well, so-and-so didn't have lunch money, and I just wanted to bless them. You wanted to bless them. What do you mean you wanted to bless them? I blessed them. You know, it's easy to be generous with someone else's money, but if you look at their personal income and what they give to, guys, it's less than, most of them give less than, 1%. Camilla Harris, who's in charge of all that, should be given. Why isn't it personal to them? She gives 0.7% of her income to charity. And I don't even know what they call charity. That's probably her political campaign. You got to put your money where your mouth is. You don't want to worship money? Become a giver. Start worshiping God instead of money. But, you know, we see all this hypocrisy, and we got to overcome it. We have to overcome it. I said we have to overcome it. 
All those millionaires couldn't accommodate those people. Couldn't give them jobs. Are you kidding me? They own all the businesses. Couldn't help them. Half those homes are empty because it's not the summer. Half those homes are empty, but not one of those rich people up there said they can stay in my home. Not one of them. Not one of them said they could stay in my home. They said, get them out of here. Why? Because it's hypocritical. they're hypocritical. They worship money. They don't care about people. You can always tell them what you care because the Bible says where your money is is where your heart is. Where your heart is. And so God's saying we got to be better. He said we got to be better. Eliminate anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing. We got to eliminate cursing. Now, I'm a big believer in Christian cursing. Anyone you know what Christian cursing is? Doggone it. I always say, shoot a monkey. I don't know where I got that from, but I say it all the time. That's Christian cursing. <laughs> but he's, he's saying cursing, using words that are designed to hurt, using words that are designed to curse, using words that demean human beings instead of lift human beings up, using words that devalue us, using words because cussing is such an easy thing to do when you're ignorant. Let me say that again, because you don't know how to express yourself. So just throw in some cuss words. Man, I loved, I used to love comedians that could make me laugh, and they didn't say one cuss word. I'm like, that's truly funny. Now it's the easy way out. Let me drop 50 F-bombs and see if someone will laugh at that. I never even heard girls cuss growing up. If they did it, they never did it around me. Now women cuss like sailors, just like men. Men used to, none of it was right. And none of it's right for us. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, we gotta clean some things up, church. We shouldn't be like the world. Yeah, come on, let's celebrate the goodness of God. He said, not just cursing, but filthy speech and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. What did I tell you? God was going to say, it's a masquerade. It is a disguise. Until you know the real Jesus, you don't know the real you. Everybody else outside of that is masquerading and disguising. They, have a dis they, they don't know who they are because they don't know whose they are. They don't, their identity is hidden. It's, everything's a masquerade. You never can trust it because they're, they're here the one way, this way, this way. I mean, it's always a roller coaster ride who they they are always searching, never finding. It's a masquerade in a disguise. He said, for you have acquired new creation, life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. What he's saying there is, is that it's a process, but it should be a continual process of God changing us, growing us through tough times, hard times, and good times. God is processing us to be holy, to raise the standard instead of lower the standard. To be holy as he is holy. To rise above it instead of swim in it. I tell my children all the time, you can be a pigeon or an eagle, you get to decide. But eagles are lonely a lot. Eagles are alone a lot. Eagles don't have thousands of other eagles around them. Pigeons do, but eagles don't. Eagles soar. Do you know eagles fly higher than any other bird? God always compares us to eagles. Eagles. 
That's why our national symbol is an eagle. Because they fly higher. But you know what? You don't see, you don't see a lot of pigeons or a lot of eagles uh, all you know, flocked everywhere by the thousands like you see uh, pigeons. You might see a handful. You might see 10 or 20. But even then, they're, they're real far apart, whereas pigeons are all cuddled up. Listen, you, if you want to be an eagle, you fly by God's standards and fly above it. You want to be a pigeon, it's your choice. And you can be like the rest of the world and talk like them and act like them and get caught up in all this, this drama, all the cussing and cursing and lying and disguises, all the insecurities. He said, there's a process he wants to take us to. He said, I want to give you the full revelation of God. In verse 11, he says, in this new creation life, your, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity. All this dividing by black, white, brown, yellow, all this garbage is all of the devil, church. It's of the devil to divide us. It's divide and conquer. He wants to separate the races when God says your nationality and ethnicity mean nothing to God. Nothing. Here's what means something. Check this out. Nor your education. I know so many educated fools. They're educated fools. I'm serious. They have all these degrees and they're just full. They live their life more foolish than people who don't have an eighth grade education. Your education means nothing, nor your economic status. If you think that makes you something in the eyes of God, you're sadly mistaken. You might think you're something with people in the little pond of Roswell, and you're a big fish, but I'm telling you, in the eyes of God, it doesn't mean anything to him. How do I know that? Well... In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity, education, nor your economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. That's what has true meaning. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. That's what makes us family. I've said it many times. I don't call anybody a volunteer. I don't call anybody, I don't even like to talk about church members. I talk about church family. I don't talk about volunteers. I talk about family members doing their duty, doing their part, just like any other family. Everybody's expected to do something. You don't have to do everything, but do something. Keep your room clean. What does that mean? Well, ladies, when you go in the bathroom, make sure it's clean. Men, when you go in the bathroom, make sure it's clean. Why? That's your room. That's your bathroom. When you walk down the hallways, pick up the trash. Don't just walk by it. It's, this is your house. The staff knows. We're going to pick. We're gonna, we, that's how we operate. We help out. We sweep. We clean. We do what we need to do. This is our house. And we've dedicated this to the Lord God Almighty, and we should take better care of it than even our house. Amen. Then he's going to give you a couple of B's. You might want to write these down. He said in verse 12, you are always and dearly loved by God. He wants us to remember that. We're always and dearly loved by God. You're always and dearly loved by God. Golly, sometimes that's all I can hang on to is that, that he loves me. That's something good to hang on to. 
He said, so robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful. Here's one of the B's. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. The Bible says those who have been shown much mercy owe much mercy. I don't know about you, man, guys. I've been shown tremendous bucketfuls of mercy. I owe mercy. Sometimes people, I'll do stuff, and I'll show someone mercy, and people around me are like, man, you need to hold them more accountable, and you need to do this, and you need to fire them, and you need to do that to them. And I'm like, man, mm, I've been shown so much mercy, it's hard for me not to have mercy. and Give people another chance and another chance. Why? Because God's given me another chance and another chance. If he's given you that, then you need to be merciful too. If he's shown you any mercy. He said, and be, here's another be, be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Compassion is the combination of passion and love. So passion and love produce action. When you're compassionate, you know, you can be empathetic. You can say, oh, I feel their pain. Or you can pity somebody and go, oh, I'm sorry that they feel bad. That, that's, that's, that's emotions we can share. But true compassion means I see that there's something wrong, and I can't, I can't fix it, but I can do something to help. I can cook them a meal, or I can, I can you know, go and let them cry on my shoulder, or I can pray for them, or I can go hold their hand, or I can just go sit by them. Or I can just let them vent to me and just, just listen and Compassion is an action word. It's you do something about some need you see, some problem you see. So be merciful, be compassionate. The next B, be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Man, we have got the most offended group of people in the history of the United States. Everything offends everybody. Everybody, you say one off word, and it's like, oh my gosh. Everybody's offended. Golly, guys, we live. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, not the spirit of God. Man, aren't we grateful that God isn't just always offended by us and doesn't just wipe us out? And that he's not up there, you know, caught up in all his emotions like, oh, man, (laughs) he hurt my feelings. They said, they don't believe in me, or they don't. They they said that I don't keep my promises, and they. You know, God's not all butthurt like that. He's not, and He wants us to be like Him, that we're not so easily offended. I'm grateful. I grew up in the generation I did because, man, I was pigeon toed. I was really bad pigeon toed, and man, they'd make fun of me for it. And I was pigeon toed and bow legged and squinty eyed, you know. But being pigeon-toed made me fast because when you run, when you run, your feet naturally go out. So if people's feet are straight, they go out. It slows them down. But when I, because I was pigeon-toed, my feet would go straight, and I was faster than most kids until I caught that pigeon-toe and I'd be on the ground. So I always had scraped-up elbows and knees. But you know what? People would make fun of me. And, man, if I showed any sign of weakness, Oh, it was, like, it was like they were putting blood in the water with a group of sharks. I, I mean, they would just work on you until you toughened up. 
you know what? I don't, I'm not saying to be mean to anybody, not anything like that. But guys, we can't be so easily offended that every time someone looks at us crossways or say, your hair's ugly, or you know, you know, or you, you know, what are you looking at? Or what are you laughing at? I mean, guys, we don't need to care about any of that. Our beauty comes from God and God alone. Our mirror is God. Our, our identity comes from God, not from this culture. Not from this culture. And our young people need to get tougher. People are gonna always make fun of you. People are gonna always offend you. And if you let that work you, you'll quit every job. I mean, I know people, gosh, they can't hold a job. They're always offended. My boss, my this, they don't like me. Well, yeah, because you're always offended, you're, you're, you're a baby. And so, the, guess what? Satan is gonna make sure you're offended and he's gonna ruin every relationship, every job, every opportunity. You're gonna see closed doors instead of open doors because if he knows he can hurt your feelings all the time, they don't like me because I'm Hispanic. So what? God likes you. They can't stand in your way. They don't like me because I'm white. Oh, well quit whining, baby. Suck it up. God loves you. God's for you. They don't like me because I'm black. Who cares? God's for you. God loves you. Your identity doesn't come from someone that's racist. Your identity comes from the God who created all this diversity because he loves us and he cares about us. Don't be easily offended in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving, everybody say forgiving, one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with somebody, release, everybody say release, the same gift of forgiveness to them. It's gotta be, you gotta release it. Why do you have to release it? Because you're the one hanging on to it. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you're the one hanging on to it. They're not hanging on to it, you're hanging on to it. Most people who hurt us, they don't even care. They don't care. They don't care one bit. So then they walk away from it not caring, they move on, and we're hanging on to unforgiveness that's gonna ruin your life. He said, you gotta release forgiveness. It's a gift you give. Just like he compares it to the gift he gives us of forgiveness, we give the gift of forgiveness. But you know what, who we're giving it to? We're not necessarily giving it to the person that hurt us. We're giving that gift to ourselves. We're giving that gift to ourselves by releasing them. Say, I forgive you. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean you have to trust them, but you release them out of your life. You release them out of your life. We're not done reading this. This goes into wives and husbands and kids and all kinds. We're going to continue to pick that up next Sunday. But right now we got to end service. So I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. I'm sorry I didn't welcome all our guests on uh, that are watching online, but we're glad you're watching. We know we have a lot of church family at home and that, have sick, that are battling sicknesses and surgeries and stuff with their children and their families and themselves. And we want to just speak healing over you right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. For the same compassion that we want when we're not doing well, we sow that same compassion to you, and we speak the name of Jesus over you to be healed. And we welcome all those watching online 
And so, whether you're here or online, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I, do I, am I really submitted to the Lordship of God? Do I have a me-first mentality with God or a him-first mentality? You'll know that by your prayers. You'll know that by your prayers. How will I know whether he's really the Lord of my life by my prayers? Because if he's the Lord, then you'll, your prayers will sound more like, God, I want to please you today. I want to bless you today. God, your will, not my will. God, I want to change. God, I want to grow. Yes, we pray for his blessings and his promises, but that's not the first part of our life. Our life is, God, I want to honor you. I want to be closer to you. God, I put your kingdom first because you promised if I did, you'd take care of me. So I put your kingdom first and I trust you. I trust you if I lay down my life, I'll gain life, not lose it. If that's not your heart and that's not your prayers, then he really isn't the Lord. Because when he becomes Lord, he's first. Not me, not you. If you never really felt that way or maybe never even heard that before. Jesus said, unless you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's the Lord, if you do that, you'll enter heaven. You'll be saved. If you don't, you won't. That your life's not yours anymore. It's his, and you trust him. That he has a better plan for your life than you do. Anybody else will. If you've never prayed like that, maybe you never prayed. The first prayer I ever prayed was this prayer. To give my life to God. To trust him. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him with my life. If you've never prayed or you've never prayed and you really submitted your life. You've thrown up prayers to get stuff. But you know you know, and you know God knows, he's not really the Lord. You're still first, or money's first, or something else. Your sexuality's first, something else is first besides God. And you want to get that right today? Because only with him first can you enter heaven. Only in him first can you find out who he, who he really is and who you really are. So whether online or in here, if that's you, I want to pray with you. We all want to. Or maybe you've ran away. You ran away from God. Something's enticed you. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe a broken relationship. And you just want to run. Maybe you have already run. And you're here or you're listening online and you just want to come home. God will welcome you with open arms. He always does. He's not a God of a second chance, but another chance. Come and put him first again. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you need to pray and get right with God before you leave here. Online, I'm going to ask you, send us a message right now. Send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. Send us a message if you're going to pray with us. I don't care if it's next Thursday or Friday you're listening to this. Send us a message and say you prayed. And here in this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand up and say, I need to get right with God before I leave here. I want to get right. I want to get my relationship right with him, that he's first. And then after that, we'll all pray together.
That's it. Right where you're seated, we'll pray. It's really easy, but you have to make a decision. So if you've made one and you want to pray and get right, one, get ready to raise your hand. Two, three, just raise your hand up high and put it down. Say, it's me. Thank you all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. You can put all those hands down. Let's all pray now. Let's all pray. Let's all pray together with those online and those here. Say this. Say, God, you're first. Because you love me first. Because you sent Jesus when we were all your enemy. You gave your life first to save our life, to save my life. I believe you laid down your life for me. And I believe in three days you were raised from the dead. Because you are the Lord, Jesus Christ. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, by the blood of Jesus, to forgive me of all of my sins and fill me with the Holy Spirit and teach me to be holy, set apart, to reach a high standard that you have set for my life so others will be blessed and see you in me Jesus I love you you laid down your life for me and now Lord Jesus I lay down my life for you you are first and I thank you for saving me restoring me forgiving me giving me heaven as my eternal home and giving me a real life who I really am on earth. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.